Welcome everybody. This is Tommy's Outdoors number four. And my guest today, Kerry Cyclist, Donaka Clifford. How are you doing, mate? Hi, Tommy. How are you? Very well, very well. Thanks for being here with us today. My pleasure and thanks very much for the invite. You're very welcome. Um, when we were starting that podcast a few months ago, you were like a, almost the first guy. I thought like, yeah, I need to have a Donaka on uh, <laughs> to obviously talk about cycling. Um, so we're going to talk about cycling. But before we get to that, you have a book out. Yeah, it's a book on Kerry Cycling that's been out since the 20th of March. Awesome. I have a copy right here. Thanks again. A personal for... signed copy, just for you. Um, you. So, yeah, it's 31 Routes. Uh, it took us about 18 months. It's co-written with a good buddy of mine called David Elton. Uh, and so we hope it does well. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. And then tell us, is it uh, is it available online in bookshops? It's How... available online through Kerry Cycling, Amazon.com and in all good bookshops as well. Of course, if yes. if they don't have it, it's, it's not, not a good book. It's not a good book. No, it's, it's not worth visiting. It's, Definitely it's, not. Yeah, yeah, that's fantastic. Uh, we're gonna talk about that book a little bit more um, later on in in a podcast. Um, but first, I just want to start from the question that we always uh, I'm almost bound to ask: How is how did it started cycling and the, and the whole you know, oh, adventure a, with cycling? It's a big question. Me? Can I take you back to the early nineties to? Uh, a young, back as far as you. A want. young child. I was born nineteen eighty three, so about nineteen ninety five. A local cycling club started, and uh, up until that point, uh, I would have played basketball, football, but I wouldn't really have enjoyed them, mm-hmm. uh, and I was overweight and asthmatic. Yeah. Okay, so I had two uncles. You, you would, you was, you, it's like a like on the, the previous uh, episode we had. Mike, Actually, I listened and, to that, and, and, and he also said I could, like, oh, I was overweight. And I could relate story. a lot. To, you wouldn't, to Mike. you wouldn't say you were yeah. overweight looking at you now, you know, like. Uh, well, it's still actually a constant struggle, and that's why I, I keep cycling. It's one of the main reasons I cycle, just to, to keep my weight down. To be honest, it's a, mm. a very good way of doing it. Um, so. Uh, my two uncles cycled and before I started cycling, I idolized them. I remember sitting on the kitchen counter one day playing with Lego mm-hmm. and my uncle came in and said, I'm after cycling 25 miles. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just thought that was absolutely incredible. So yeah. as soon as I got the opportunity at the age of 12, my parents said I could join the cycling club. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's when I started and that's the way it's been ever since. Awesome. And do you have uh, any any um, break? Uh, because what I notice is a lot of... People say, uh, cyclists say like, okay, I was cycling as a kid, you know, I had a, I had a bike and then I was, you know, you know, like 10, 20 years and haven't done anything. And then I kind of, you know, started cycling back when I was in my well, 30s, actually, 40s. Was, it, was it for you like all the time? Cycling has been pretty much a constant in my life throughout that time. Now the mileage has varied, but if mm-hmm. you'd look back on all the months of my life, I would have cycled to some degree. There was a time when I had, uh, was in college and I had a weekend job. So you can imagine for four years, the time for cycling was pretty limited, Mm -hmm. but I would have still got in maybe two, three hours per week at that time. Um, I also would have cycled to work if I could. So other than kind of the practicalities of life or or work stresses or whatever, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, it hasn't kept me from cycling. Actually, the last few winters, I've tended to tail back to cycling a good bit. Mm -hmm. Um, Just because I find that it suits me better to, to... kind of go with the, the good weather and the season that's there of course um so i just kind of taper it back to do maybe two or three hours per week and this time of year now in march uh, mm-hmm. it's ramping up again to something a bit more significant yeah so so this is like like obviously it's much nicer to cycle yes. when you have a nice bright one. evenings especially yeah, yeah and this is actually one question that i that i have uh for you because i think the one of the part of, of cycling is actually to, to, to be actually being able to cycle, so being health mm. healthy. And uh, the weather often is, is like you know rain and whatever. Do you have any any um, tricks or, or tips to kind of stay healthy while? Because obviously sometimes you're just getting soaking wet. And you know before we started that podcast, we were we were talking like oh yesterday it was like a terrible day. We just get yeah, and know. I was out in the rain, actually. Um, you know, I've heard of 100% waterproof clothing. You know, it doesn't exist. No. Um, Sean Kelly had a saying, how do you know if it's wet enough whether to go training or not? The answer is to go training and then to decide when you come back. Yeah. Um, but truth be told, there is times when I just don't feel like cycling, mm-hmm. um, you know, when the weather's too bad. 
So in that case, uh, I just go for a walk or a jog or something like that. It can be quite hard to cycle in the rain. You have reduced visibility, especially if you're cycling in a group. The glasses get all fogged up and the glasses get all rain. So... You know, you ha- kind of have to make a call as to, so to safety how safe. issues. Is, 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 is safety is a concern. Yeah, like we, we went out as part of a group. I'm a member of a cycling club here in Tralee, the chain mm-hmm. gang. We went out yesterday evening and we had a route planned mm-hmm. um, and we started to get fierce, heavy thunder shower, s- thunder showers. Mm-hmm. So we just said, look, we we'll went about 15 kilometers out the road and back again just to... Yeah on a safe road you know there's no point uh, yeah, going on the yeah. bad roads yeah yeah i was i was remember um like two years ago i think i was i was thinking to say like you know like a part of training is to you know keep healthy and you know not not get cold and so on and then i was on my way back you know like a, like a temperature drop there's like a hailstones mm. or whatever and then that very day i got like you know sick i was like two weeks out of, off of my training and yeah well uh, you know if, for most weather conditions, I've been out through the years. I've been out in thunderstorms. Mm-hmm. I've been out in icy conditions mm-hmm. in which I've fallen off. Mm-hmm. I was out in uh, lightning storms. <laughs> so, you know, as I'm getting older, I'm getting a little bit more sensible, I guess. Oh, no, yeah, abso- absolutely, absolutely. That's uh... And have you been racing? Do you have any, any... Yeah, so from underage, I started racing, but I have to admit I was never good enough to enjoy racing. It was always mm-hmm. an effort. Mm-hmm. Um, I suppose I would have been a little bit overweight and I would never have trained to the intensity that I should have to be successful at it. Mm-hmm. Um, I did win an under 16 race uh, in my local village, which mm-hmm. I was very proud of. Wow. And actually, it was there's a funny story behind it because I got dropped in the race yes. uh, and I was started in the handicap group, which meant I was ahead of uh, other people with three mm-hmm. or four more people. I got dropped from that group. Uh-huh. The bunch caught us. I managed to stay with the bunch. We passed out the people in front and then I sprinted for the win. So <laughs> it's not too there many people that can say they um they got dropped like that and still won a race. Oh, that's a ta- that's a tactic, right? That's a, that's a I'm afraid it wasn't a tactic. No. Tactic. Well, at least you can say like, it. Yeah, was, yeah, yeah. It was a necessity. And uh, <laughs> so I kind of didn't race then for a good few years up until maybe... Um, well, I raced under 16, then I stopped. Mm-hmm. And I raced again three or four years ago, just for uh, a period of one or two years. And uh, I got third in a local race again uh, for the A4 category. Mm. Uh, but it's probably just fair to say they were kind of flukes. I'm and, not and sure just it peaks. wasn't. There's no, no such just thing as peaks. flukes. There's no such thing as fluke. You know, you work hard for that, I'm pretty Peaks sure. in form. And actually, when I came third in that race a couple of years ago, uh, it's amazing how aggression can play a part because mm-hmm. someone cut me off with about a kilometer before the start and I very nearly fell off. Mm-hmm. So I gritted my teeth and I mm-hmm. said, I'm sprinting for the line with every single thing I got. Mm-hmm. And uh, other than that, I think I would have been just happy to freewheel in. Yeah. It's amazing. It's yeah. attitude and mood. Yeah. And you know? com- competitive. Yeah. Well, I was passing yeah. that guy out, whatever about anything else. But then I realized I passed a few more people out as well. <laughs> you were kind of like a tun- tunnel vision to this yeah, guy. I gritted my teeth and my family were on the line and they said, my God, the face on, on me when I was passing, you know, it was uh, I had a very angry look. Yeah, which, uh, yeah. that's a, I, I think that's a that's a common thing yeah. also with runners. Like, you know, mm. I remember I, I read the book um, about the guy. He was he was uh, running on the track like 400 meters. And it was uh, he was describing similar situation like yourself that. Uh, at the end of, of that, there was like him and the other guy and he was up front and the other guy was chasing him. And as he was chasing him, he kind of knew that the guy is closing distance on him and he felt like he's he's getting weaker and weaker and weaker. And that guy was closing in. So he almost knew that, OK, I'm this, this is it. I'm not going to win that anymore. This mm-hmm. guy, this guy going to catch me. And when the guy was a little bit closer he kind of turned and looked at the guy that he's closing and he keep keep going and after that he noticed the guy stopped you know he he stopped closing the gap Mm. and then after race they were talking and turned out that when he saw his face Mm. you know he he just something you know broken he's something primal yeah like i i can't i can't catch him anymore like this this look of determination and so that's a that's a that's a so you you had a you had a quite a quite a few uh races and so so you're kind of familiar with that environment of of competitive racing i think i think based on my experience training down through the years i'd probably have a good racing brain Mm -hmm. it's fair to say but i wouldn't do the training or you know required to be 
successful at it the long term. Consistency is always something that I struggle with. You know, some days I'm in the mood to go for an easy cycle or maybe some weeks at a oh, time. Yeah. That's all I'm interested in doing. Oh, yeah. More times than, you know, you'd really be interested in, in hitting the road hard and uh, for some yeah. reason. Yeah, that's a that's a that's a lot of uh, work and on the schedule and and to 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 race competitively and you know you need to control your diet and your sleep your sleeping pattern yeah. and all that. Yeah, so you really have to be in the mood for it. Yeah, you know? I know, I know. But there's a lot more aspects to cycling than racing. Oh yeah, well, of course. You know? But but just 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 a few few questions around around sure. racing. Would 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 you be uh, would you see yourself as a I don't know a director sportive kind of thing or or manager of the team or or anything like that kind of be in a racing environment or is it like completely not interest you to be in this competitive because even today i was i was listening to the podcast about you know what director sportive does and, and it was the guy who was like a former racer he doesn't really race anymore mm. but he's enjoying kind of aspect of strategizing actually the, the responsibilities of a director sportive are huge i don't think it's something that would necessarily be suited to my skills and uh, anytime i raced it was with individual goals mm -hmm. so even though i would have been part of a cycling club or whatever i mightn't have been training well enough with them to be right, right, right. solid unit to so, have a team so, goal it was so an individual never a guy who will bury himself for the team no and i think if i was up the categories or if i was a better racer in the a3 a2 a1 it's then when mm -hmm. team tactics plays a part you know yeah Oh, that's that's actually consistent what I heard that mm. you know on the on the on, on, on lower categories it's, it's like people are cycling for themselves it's every man for themselves yeah, yeah yeah and then like exactly what you said that mm. on the higher level that then more tactic plays part and you know what races we do have in the year and 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 all that okay so it's 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 more of a leisurely endeavor really to to, to look at the at the moment scene, definitely at, at the moment what does it mean do you have anything in your mind specifically? um well who knows you know maybe next year uh i'm part of a club now and actually there's quite a competitive spirit within the club so you know mm -hmm. sometimes i think maybe i'll give it a go and go back racing again for a year um not this year Mm -hmm. but uh who knows but i could associate with um your previous podcast guest largely because he said a lot of it was about headspace when mm -hmm. you're cycling and the chance to zone out mm -hmm. and uh, i associate with that very much as well and that's a huge yeah. reason why i go cycling it's the opportunity to get away from everything get into nature get away from distractions everything and it's it's literally meditative it is i agree with him hugely hugely mm. and this is very much in line with the with, the, with that podcast which mm. is talked about outdoors and being out there on the on the on the fresh air and get the breathing and, and exactly um and this is whether it's a rowing or cycling when you're out on the road for a number of hours mm -hmm. you know and people are like what you're thinking about for you know five hours well, mm. nothing everything um, and nothing and, and everything. everything in between yeah yeah exactly so the, so that so I totally understand that and and have you have you dipped your toes in the, in the other disciplines of cycling is it road because you mainly road cycling right mainly road mainly cycling um, I've cycled once in Pelihura mountain biking uh -huh. and really loved it and I'm ashamed to say I haven't been back in about the past four years uh -huh. it's been on the agenda it just hasn't happened so that's definitely yeah. something on the we, to do we gotta do it man. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, uh, I, I, a, it's kind of like it's, I was I was in toll in Ballyhura maybe five times, maybe six times. And it was like a year or two years in between. Mm. So I think I was never more than three times in a year. Um, but yeah, that's that's a, that's a that's a great place. And, and you have everything, you know, you have a mountain and you have a small trees and big trees and dark, dark uh woods and all that but i actually enjoyed the the change of scenery from road cycling uh, the discipline of uh trying to stay vertical on on challenging mm -hmm. parts of it you know and technical pieces and yeah. uh, uh you know i enjoyed that for a change because mm -hmm. the road if you focus on it too much can be monotonous sometimes in terms of skills because you sit in a bike mm -hmm. and you pedal mm -hmm. uh, and you know there's lots of people with tight hamstrings and maybe weak mm -hmm. cords and stuff because mm -hmm. they're mostly working from the upper body down ex with the exception of a bit of cardiovascular yeah. work you know so yeah. i think it's healthy to to mix it up too yeah absolutely absolutely and have you tried any other disciplines like uh like a cyclocross or anything like no that? i haven't no. Uh, i don't think the facilities are there for for that down in Kerry. i'm not sure of uh, yeah. any cyclocross activity i know there's a lot of it up in leinster and dublin in particular oh, really? 
I think so. Okay. okay. Uh, over the I winter, over the winter, yeah. I think this, the cyclocross season is mostly winter, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, it's something I'd love to try, but I don't. I don't. To be honest, I don't. I just, just. It looks to me like you're falling off the bike constantly. It's part of the fun, but it's, it's all <laughs> in fields and mud. So. I know. I know. That's interesting because really, I uh, I started cycling from from mountain biking. Mm. And that was where I where I started, and actually, as a as a kid, I was always doing mostly uh, mountain biking. And then, uh, uh, because of the of, of the martial arts and all that, I had a surgery mm. of the knee, and then my my doctor said like you know cycling is a is a really good um, rehab rehab for you. Mm-hmm. So I uh, y- you know obviously I didn't want to go back straight to to mountain biking because you know uh, when you're negotiating terrain and all the obstacles mm. you're you're actually you know hitting your knee. So so the all it was a knee surgery. So the whole idea was to kind of rehab and do this gentle move like you have on the bike. Um, so I put a like a slick tires on my mountain bike mm. and I started doing that. And I said, like, damn, it's it's so much more accessible. So f- for me, starting with 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 road cycling was about accessibility because for a mountain bike, in reality, in most cases, for most people, you have to put the bike on the car, drive somewhere when you have a trail, and then you know you do this, you rip it, and you go back and so on. While with the road cycling, just come back from work and your bike is there waiting for Leave you. Leave the house and go. Yeah, yeah. So it was so much more accessible. So I get to that and, and then I suppose that uh, meditative, if that's the word, nature mm. of, of, of cycling is, is just fantastic because it kind of resets your brain. And, and I suppose a lot of people can identify with that. When you're coming back from the office, you're, you're kind of, you're, you're, your body is... Uh, bored i suppose is the world word why why your brain is like oh my god what's going on and then it's kind of you're doing the opposite you're going to kind of tire your body and get your brain uh, you know settled and big time i think i came across some article recently online where office based staff are doing all these crazy events now mm-hmm. uh, all these tough mothers and and all these type of things you know yeah i think it's just uh, Something to think about when you're at work. Yeah, I know, I know. This, 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 this events they kind of like mm. a spraying water to create to do mud, <laughs> so people can kind yeah. of get into that, and that's funny. Listen, you you touch on something that I really wanted to ask you about, and that is element of uh, health and and fitness. And you mentioned uh, core, weak core, that kind of um, might be an issue when you're cycling and and so on. So. Um, kind of similar, like on, on, on my previous podcast, I kind of, uh, was talking about, uh, how running is really not a good idea when you want to lose body fat. And, um, so I don't want to come across as a guy who's, you know, inviting guests and then bashing the sport or something, Mm. especially that I'm, that I'm cycling myself, but it is to me feeling like, um, again cycling to get fit and i know that you said that you started cycling to get fit and to lose your body weight but i feel like starting to get cycling to get fit is not a great idea because to me you need to put a lot of work in the gym to be fit enough to then go cycling so so for example uh, core you need to have a strong core to to kind of stabilize to to put a to get a proper stability to your pelvis and to, to your to your uh, midsection and pelvis so then you can put the power through your legs and through the pedals mm. and that demand is, is not something you're going to train on the bike you actually need to go into the gym you need to train your your core you need to you need to get fit first before you get into the bike and and and, and put a performance so is is that the case or is it like oh that's only when you actually trying to really perform on the bike well, yeah i'd actually disagree with a statement where mm-hmm. you said it's kind of not accessible without gym work because mm-hmm. i've seen people literally off the couch and onto the bike and i've mm-hmm. seen them make large improvements in terms of mm-hmm. cardiovascular health mm-hmm. um i think if you're looking at cycling as uh, as, uh, as a way to get fit on its own mm-hmm. that that probably will present challenges if you're doing significant amount of hours per week mm-hmm. because uh, I definitely notice myself that I have mm-hmm. tight hamstrings mm-hmm. I have a weak core unless I try and do something about it with specific exercises during yeah. the week yeah. and I can also notice a lot of tension in the back and neck area which uh, I think is just relating to the cycling posture but yes. it's also relating to a good bike fit and that's mm-hmm. something we might touch on as well mm-hmm. but 
Uh, we have a mentoring program in the cycling club at the moment where we mm -hmm. literally are bringing beginners out onto the road mm -hmm. and we're seeing them make huge improvements week to week. Yeah. So it depends to what level of uh, performance you're looking to talk about. If it's just to get yeah. out in the fresh air and get a little bit healthy. Yeah. And, you know, there's a social aspect to the club as well. So I'm seeing people benefit from that. If you're looking to advance to um, something a little bit more uh, professional or, yeah. or do 10 plus hours a week on the mm -hmm. bike or something like that. And you mentioned competitive nature yes. of the club. Yeah, well, I see people uh, doing lots of effort on the bike and nothing else. And mm -hmm. for some people, they manage Yeah. more people that might expose some weaknesses they have in their posture mm -hmm. are uh, very similar to, to what I saw recently on television about running, about... Mm -hmm going into the sport, mm -hmm. uh, getting huge benefits early on mm -hmm. and thinking you can continue and just make those gains every week. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think they're keeping physios across the country going at the moment. Yes. Yes. And that's, I, I, I totally, and I suppose you made, you made the excellent point and this is, this is to, to qualify that. Yeah. If, if you really go out and just, you know, off the couch and kind of start moving and start going, mm. that's absolutely true. And also something I have to agree that the cardiovascular aspect is no doubt is, is cycling is, is beneficial. And, and in fairness, I was more um, referring to kind of skeletal and muscular element of it where where posture exact because in, in the fern, in fairness, the posture on a bike, especially on the road bike, is, mm. is just just terrible for your spine. Yeah. And, so and if you're doing that for many hours. So I myself have neck issues and tight hamstrings like i say and mm -hmm. sometimes knee issues which i need help mm -hmm. uh, from physio with specific exercises and stuff so i'm not sure is that related to cycling or mm -hmm. uh, office work but both yeah. probably don't help you know yeah 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 that they they actually t uh, tight tight uh, neck and and shoulders mm. that's that's something again that uh, that a uh, physio i'm working with uh, notice that And even if you're if you're looking, I'm I'm looking now at some structured training program protocols, and uh, you know, to coaches like, are you are your shoulders are hugging your ears, mm. right? Because you tend to tense your yes. your upper body, especially with you know if you're chasing somebody or mm -hmm. whatever, and you don't feel that. And I remember, you know, like uh, doing quite intense workout. And after that workout, my, my legs were okay, but kind of my neck was hurting. And I'm like, what happened, right? I was, I was using my legs. Why my neck yeah. is hurting? What's wrong with it's that? It's quite amazing, actually, because, uh, you know, most of the work is obviously done by the legs. But, you mm -hmm. know, you're tensing on the handlebars. You're taking the vibration of the road up through the bike mm -hmm. and the handlebars. So... It, uh, you shouldn't be doing that, right? You should, no. you should, you should be relaxed and your upper body should be relaxed and all that. Yeah, it, it depends how, um, how much you're chasing someone, I guess, or it depends, yeah, you know, yeah, on the day. Yeah, yeah. You mentioned that we're going to touch on the bike fit, so I think it's a, it's a good moment to just, just go into the, uh, the bike yeah. fit and how important that is. Well, I think if you're starting out cycling and if you buy a bike from the shop and you take it out on the road, if you're doing half an hour you might feel that you're fine. It's when you go into the longer spins that you'll notice the niggles. Um, I used to always notice myself years ago that when I do the longer spins, uh, like we were talking about my neck, my shoulders, everything would just be completely tense. So mm -hmm. um, in the cycling club I'm with at the moment, uh, we do kind of, we give advice on bike fit and there's also mm -hmm. certain outlets in the county and I'm sure nationwide that mm -hmm. would offer bike fits as well. A lot of bike shops would do mm -hmm. it, but there's also specialist outfits. Yeah. So you have you have different things to consider. You have three contact points on the bike, your uh, your feet, your backside and your hands. Mm -hmm. So you need to make sure they're in um, relevant proportion, proportionality mm -hmm. so that you're relatively comfortable. Yeah. And yeah. not stretching or straining any limb. Yeah, that's 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 super important. And I suppose, again, your point that, you know, depending how how much you're doing mm -hmm. cycling, because repetitive nature and prolonged nature you, you you can you can really screw yourself over if you're doing something if you're if, if your knees are out of alignment or or something is happening and you know everybody you can... everybody's unique so if you look at two people cycling on the bike beside each other one person might be completely satisfied with a, a kind of a bent over mm -hmm. uh, posture down on the drops i myself prefer a more relaxed geometry something mm -hmm. a little bit more upright it just seems to suit me better so um just be careful on who you're taking advice from yes absolutely um, absolutely and i suppose that's that's the message uh, people get the proper bike fit 
from people who knows what they're doing because mm. like you mentioned sometimes the bike shops they try to do the good job but this is kind of like oh yeah you know mm. they go by some textbook rules and yeah. they're not really suitable for 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 all the people and and i think i uh, i went through uh at least two bike fits and one of them was um kind of thing that takes your uh measurement of your limbs and you know you say like okay am i am i do i want to have this bike for racing or leisure or whatever or something in between mm. and they put it in a computer program and it crunch the numbers and it goes like okay your stem should be this length and your saddle should be this this far from your from your uh handlebars and so on and so on uh so i got that down that done and uh it was like yeah okay there was yeah okay and then I went for for a, another um, bike fit uh, shop, and that was like hour and a half session when I actually seen how it should be done. When they mm -hmm. put all the markers on your body and put the, like these this laser things That's, that are that are pointing at you, yes. Yeah. And then you cycling and then film how you cycling, mm -hmm. and, and then showing you like look how your knee is tracking, mm. you know, a little bit this and here and there and so on. And then you they adjust and film you again, and then adjust and film you again. It's like okay, this is it, and. I suppose another element is like you, this is something I need to do really, you know, every year or every two years because you they they're gonna do certain you know setup of your bike and then you kind of get used to that position and then you know if you're after performance you know mm -hmm. we can get lower on the handlebars and so on so so that's that's constantly changing. Yeah, and even this week myself, I was fiddling around with my saddle. Um, just you know, I've never actually gone for one of those professional bike fits. Mm -hmm. I think it's mm -hmm. something I should do. Um, so I've always kind of done it by feel, mm. trial and error over the years. Um, but, you know, it, it to me, it never felt like an exact science because, you know, everyone's different, like I said. Yeah, yeah. So there's a there's a guy in, in, in Killarney. It's called Professional Bike Fit. Correct, John Crowley. John yeah. Crowley. Uh, we, I, I might have him on the podcast uh, in, in, you know, near future. I think we'll, you should. We'll see. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, he, he, he's done an excellent job and, and, and also another element is to, to, to get a proper saddle mm -hmm. because again, you, you know, you, you, you might screw over your ability to reproduce. So, <laughs> so yeah. I, I, I read a, uh, uh, study done over, um, policeman who's, who's on the bike and mm -hmm. postman. Mm-hmm. And something like thirty or forty percent of them had a you know erectile dysfunction and all that because of, of lack of a proper bike. Yeah, you know, I, I don't know. Have I ever been a hundred percent happy with a saddle? I don't know. Is it the nature of the sport or what? Um, mm -hmm. I use ones now that are quite comfortable, but mm -hmm. you know, even still after a long cycle, I can find myself mm -hmm. shifting around in it. And like I said mm -hmm. this week, I'm still adjusting with the position, but yeah. certainly you shouldn't be feeling too much discomfort. Um, yeah. You know, and if if you are, it's, uh, there's alarm bells. But it, but then, then there is an element of discomfort, like you know, you're, you you just your ass is sore. After, yeah. You know, uh, you know, in first thousand kilometers in mm. the, in the season, it's it's gonna be something. But, um, what you'd say when, how to distinguish between you're uncomfortable because you're not used to sitting on a saddle and you're uncomfortable because there's something wrong. Is there is there any way to actually tell? Is it you just need to toughen up? Or Based on experience, if I find that I've been off the bike for a month or two for whatever reason, and if I go back, certainly the first couple of spins, I'll find I have a sore backside for mm -hmm. for the duration of those spins. Yeah. Um, but there, there's kind of red flags. I mean, if you're experiencing numbness mm -hmm. um, or if you're experiencing pain, mm -hmm. um, pain more significant than just discomfort. I mean, if yeah. it's discomfort, you kind of know yourself it's... Mm -hmm. uh, you have to judge it, but if you have numbness in the area or pain, particularly pain that's maybe traveling up the body a little bit into the lower abdomen. Yeah. Um, red yeah. flags, I guess, straight away. Yeah, yeah. And then you need to look at, at, at your saddle and, and and width of the saddle compared to your sit bones and, and, and so on. Correct. And, you know, if if it's uh, if you find yourself in that case, I'd really recommend a bike fish because um, yeah. those guys know what they're doing. And there's so many different types of saddles. I know of some shops that will allow you to take a couple of saddles home, try them and uh, return whichever ones you don't. Yeah, use, I think know? it's the only way. Yeah, I think I think it's the only way. And, and you know, I'm, I was kind of like any saddle would suit me. It was OK. 
And then when when I was kind of become more aware of the mm. thing, like oh my god, non, you know, there's something wrong with everyone. Mm. So, so that's 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 a, that's a uh, balance to be. But strong. you know, if you're if you're cycling for an hour or whatever at a time, uh, you probably won't find too much problems. But it's when you're on your fondo days or when you're doing five and six hours at a time, mm. it's a significant quite uh, the significant amount of time to be putting pressure on different parts of your body. So. Yeah. Uh, it's not good. Yeah, and especially there's this this nerve that goes in a, in a, in the middle of your of your uh, pelvis, and this mm-hmm. is this is the worst thing that you're. This is this is the one that causes erectile dysfunction, which which gets crushed. I think it's called the vas deferens, is it? Yeah, and probably uh, you're right. You're yeah, right. I think a lot of saddles, particularly these days, have cutouts and grooves in the middle for that mm-hmm. very reason. So, yeah. uh, shorts are also uh, another factor. Oh really? Yes. So, uh, it's one thing I found during the years that it's not worth buying cheap cycling shorts for that reason yeah. get yourself a good pair of cycling shorts mm-hmm. um so it's both the shorts and the saddle that contribute yeah. to anything comfort. you would recommend um actually it's very similar to saddles um it's kind of up to person individually it's not a case of just spending you could spend hundreds of euros on shorts literally mm. um there's nothing technically i can think of um but there are certain brands out there i know santini mm-hmm. uh they can be quite expensive. Uh, it tends to be the more expensive ones, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, however, there you will see when the shorts are advertised, there's various grades of padding on them. Yes. Some are for short to medium spins, more for long or endurance type spins. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've also, uh, myself, and I got good advice from people, if you're on a long day and if you find that you have discomfort after a period of time, two mm-hmm. pairs of shorts is something to consider. Yeah, for that reason as well, just an extra and kind of change protection. them in the middle of the spin. Uh, literally wear the two of them at the same time. Oh, really? Yes. Oh God, I mm. never heard about that. Mm. All right, all right. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. And and same same goes for the shoes, right? Because because cycling shoes is another like a huge huge topic that you know we can probably spend hours. Yeah, talking I could talk about. to you for an hour about cycling shoes, and it's quite funny because everyone. Practically everyone who's gotten them for the first time has fallen off with cycle, with the clip-in cycling shoes. I'm not <laughs> sure about your own experience. Yes, yes, yes. So uh, the, the shoes obviously clip into the pedals. And when you're cycling them for the first time or two, you just completely forget you have them on. So you stop and you don't give yourself enough chance to clip out. So it's a simple an- mm-hmm. ankle action to the left or right mm-hmm. just to clip out. Uh, so you go straight over. Mm. Yeah, um, yeah. But I think you learn once. Um, and then you, or, you, you or, never or, forget, or, or, or twice. Or, or, yeah, yeah. Actually, yeah. my own father-in-law broke his hand um, with that same accident. So, oh, you know, it's, it's quite significant enough. Um, but cycling shoes, they're, again, various different types. They're mountain bike specific. Yeah. Which um, have a little groove in the, the ball of the foot for the mountain bike that lets you walk as well as walk more very easily because the cleat is kind of hidden inside the sole correct so 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 they're spd pedals they're called Uh, i myself use the the look pedal so they have a bigger kind of surface area on Mm -hmm. the cleats Mm -hmm. uh, and i find them quite good i've used them for years Um, when i bought a bike about 10 years ago they came with a different brand of pedal uh, and i tried them out and it's amazing the difference made it was a time pedal and it was just a different cleat system Mm -hmm. and i couldn't just get comfortable with them i used to have knee pain yeah. So uh, I I don't think that's brand specific. It's just uh, probably the particulars of, yeah. of what I'm used yeah. to myself. Yeah. And to your point about you know falling over when you first tried you you know it's like sometimes so so stupid because I remember I kind of unclipped the uh, the the left leg and kind of lean over to the right. Yes. It's like no wrong side boom right. And well, if you're lucky, you'll do it when no one's around. <laughs> yeah, and you're un- if you're unlucky, you're in the middle of you know like a big a traffic gr- light or something. Like traffic that, light. Yeah. And you have a little, yeah, 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 yeah. It happens, you know. I see it. I see it quite regularly still. But um, uh, the benefits of the cycling shoes is that you can you feel more attached to the bike, and mm. you're more efficient. You're more efficient. You can pull your, on the pedals you can. as well. You can. So indeed. then you get this quadrant of pedaling. It forces you to pedal with the ball of your foot as well. And mm-hmm. I notice a lot of beginners tend to pedal sometimes with the middle of their foot or indeed the heel. The and heel, I, yeah. I find that under hard to understand because any time yeah. I've tried that even with a flat pedal on a bike, I, I've just found it gives me uh, great pain up the back yeah. of the leg. So it's just... Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure would they be aware of that. And actually, my dad always said that when they were young, they were always told to p- to pedal with their heels. So really, yeah, for some oh, reason, give the give the heel to the bike is the expression they were really they were told. Yeah. Oh God, I, I, this, so this so when you have the cycling shoes, it forces you to 
yeah. pedal with the most yeah, effective part and, of your foot. And, and I think the, that the biggest thing is that then you can also pull, you can Correct. kind of Especially use, uphill. Exactly. So you can use your hamstring and, and, and even give a little bit of a rest to your, to your quads when you're kind of... I notice that I can easily increase the cadence when I kind of more focus on the, on the, on the, on the pool movement. Really? Yeah. Mm. That's how it works for me. Like if you, if you, if I need to like increase the kind of I'm pulling more and just kind of goes, mm -hmm. goes like that. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's, 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 uh, um, one thing I, I, I couldn't kind of, uh, force myself is to use uh, clip in pedals on a mountain, mountain bike. And I suppose it's like, I, on the mountain bike, I always would li like to have this, um, kind of knowing that I can kind of jump off the bike when I'm in some, you know, sketchy situation. Uh, yeah. And, and, and that, especially at Balihura that we mentioned a few times, so it's like, yeah, it's no way I would kind of cycle actually, that route. Really actually, the one time I did Balihura, I showed up with the clip in pedals. Yeah. And the guys were just saying, what are you doing? Uh, funny enough, I survived. Yeah. And the, my four accidents that day were nothing to do with the fact I clipped in. Yeah. But um, no, definitely, I think flat pedal is uh, yeah. would be a lot easier. Yeah, yeah, and you know, in in fact, that in most cases they're they're on clip when you're when you're falling over anyway. Mm. But I suppose, like to me, is like this low speed uh, things where you you know you know you're about to hit the rock or something and just like just jump in more naturally without kind of thinking about well, actually, unclipping it's, both it's legs. very interesting you mentioned that because those the clip-in systems that are there at the moment yeah. uh, were introduced because of the efficiencies like we've spoke but they're also mm -hmm. introduced for safety so really? it was so easy to clip out because previously professional cyclists or, or a lot of racing bikes had those toe straps yes so you'd put your foot in and you'd pull the strap as tight as you could over your uh, over your toes and your feet so you literally were attached to the bike then so if you had an accident you were stu stuck to the bike you were you like it or not you, st you were still attached yes. to the bike yeah i remember in in, in balihura and was it was, was going downhill and uh the trail the next to the you know close to the trail was like this big boulder mm. and i just just knew i'm gonna hit that boulder i hit <laughs> that boulder squared and the, my bike stayed behind the boulder i was kind of ejected over the boulder it goes like oh so yeah. you know in in that case it, 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 it could end up pretty bad yes it could end up pretty yes, bad indeed. listen um another thing um i i need to ask you about is about connection between cycling and coffee it's uh it's, it's all about coffee it's an epidemic isn't it i don't know i just one of the guys said like yeah tommy it's all about coffee it's all about coffee it's a huge part of the What's cycling that? it's a huge part of the cycling culture and it can't be normal coffee either it has to be good coffee you know yeah. um so just even locally uh, the coffee stop is always planned ahead in a cycle so we'll have our cycle planned and before we even leave it's like okay where are we stopping for coffee yeah. so i think it's something people look forward to um i think it's probably origins just relate to the fact that it's uh stimulant and caffeine based good, and yeah. there's a good energy boost after having it um so that's probably where it started but uh if you follow anyone on any professional cyclist on Twitter, you'll see half of their yeah. tweets are about coffee or some fancy coffee machine that they have. Yeah. And actually, coffee machines have a long history of sponsoring professional teams as well. Yeah, Trek Sagafredo. And Seiko yeah. as well uh, in the 90s. There so, you go. Mm -hmm. is there, is, are there any special um, I don't know, rituals or anything related to cycling and coffee? Just get as much of it into as you can. <laughs> All right. To be honest, I'm I'm not a fan of the coffee stops. It always feels to me like it takes me away from cycling. I'm like, come on, I want I want to go cycling. And it's like, no, no, we're gonna get to the coffee and all that. Well, it it depends what group you're going out with, but um, the more relaxed groups will tend to make an hour of it, and it's a social thing and it's a chat yeah. and that's nice. Yeah. Uh, and it depends on the distance as well, because if I'm doing a long cycle. I might want to stop for 10, 15 minutes and just get going again because, you know, yeah. it's, your body is telling you, OK, you've stopped. Now I'm going to begin the recuperation process. Yeah. And uh, I'm going to start relaxing and I'm not in the mood for exercise anymore. Yeah. It kind of gets you lazy. And that's a, a, a lesson I learned doing the Ring of Kerry years ago. Mm -hmm. Long stops was a bad idea. Yes, I totally, I totally agree. Mm. I totally agree that like, like exactly like you said, your body says like, all right, it's it's over. 
and then you're going out to the bike and kind of feel stiff and cold and all sorts of things. But I agree with you that especially when you're in a long cycle, uh, like I said, stop 15 minutes mm. and just get, especially when it's, you know, miserable and raining and, 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 and wind and all that, which we have a lot in, in Ireland and in Kerry. That is a good idea. It's like a 10, 15 minutes and then you on your move. But it's a balance between wanting to stop for long enough of a break and making sure you stop to smell the roses as well. Because when I was younger, mm-hmm. the Ring of Kerry charity cyclist is uh, famous now. Everyone in the county seems yeah. to do it. Um, we used to do it when we were younger quite, I won't say competitively because it's a charity mm-hmm. cycle, but I suppose mm-hmm. we thought we were more important than we were and we'd spend the day passing people out and we thought we were great, but... <laughs> of it's course. when um, it's when we had done it for a couple of years that I remember stopping up on top of Kumikishta, I think halfway mm-hmm. around, and uh, I met an older guy there, and uh, I said, "My God, this view is amazing! I don't think I've ever stopped to mm-hmm. enjoy it before." And this was probably my third or fourth ring of Kerry, so <laughs> actually, I'll always remember that day because he said, "You know, you have to stop and smell the roses too." Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a huge element. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about Ring of Kerry mm-hmm. for for our listeners who might not know what what what's that. The Ring of Kerry is a charity cycle that runs on the first uh, Saturday in July every year. I forget when the first year was, but I think it was the early 80s, maybe 84, 83, something like that. And a group of guys just literally said, we want to cycle the Ring of Kerry. Uh, we want to try and raise money mm-hmm. uh, for various charities. So like Ring of Kerry is a, is a route around uh, around Kerry, around one of the peninsulas. Evera that... Peninsula, correct. And it's 170 kilometers, starts in Killarney and finishes in Killarney. And uh, it's probably one of the most famous tourist drives uh, in the country even. I think it's mm. very famous. Um, so that event grew in popularity every year um, my first year was 97 when mm-hmm. i was 13 wow and if i remember rightly i think there was about six or seven hundred people doing the event that year mm. um i remember wanting to do the event the previous year but my parents said no you're too young <laughs> okay so I, I did it when i was 13 and uh, the event has just grown in so just just to just just to get get the record straight you've done 170 kilometer cycle when you were 13 when i was 13 and when i had a belly Yes. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Awesome. So, you know, I'm not a naturally fit person at all. It was always an effort and always a struggle. Um, but actually cycling is probably the one thing for me that's kind of felt easy. And, you know, it's still hard, obviously, when you go out training and sometimes you're not in the mood and you make mm. yourself go. But mm. it's the one thing that keeps me fit uh, other than a bit of probably hiking or a bit of yoga or stretching mm-hmm. in, in the off season. Yeah. Um, but sorry, we're we're digressing back to the Ring of Kerry. Um, I so know. Feel free to you know. <laughs> it's all about it's all about that. So you know. So it's of... grown in popularity every year, and it's amazing because people who don't cycle do this event. Yeah. And you know yourself talking at work around the office. People start talking oh, about yeah. the Ring of Kerry from February on. Are you tra- Are you have you started training? Absolutely. Are you doing it? It's it's a huge thing. It's a huge thing. Even even if you're if you're cycling and it and it comes like may something mm. and you're cycling and you stop for like mm. coffee stop or mm. something the first question is are you doing ring of carry this year so it, it's quite a significant undertaking by people who organize it and i think um it's huge for economy i think as well it yeah. is yeah i think there's ten thousand people that's the uh, allocation for this year i'm not mm-hmm. too sure if they reached that in terms of sign on i mean they will um they probably will yeah um do they not like become victims of their own success because I think that a lot of people is is kind of are kind of not happy, especially in a, in a, in the recent years. Because it was like this 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 thing that many people were traditionally doing every year. This type of a year we're doing psych- and then all of a sudden it becomes increasingly difficult to even get a place because they had to limit number of places available because of the uh, safety issues. So they can accommodate only so many cyclists. And then they started doing a lottery and prepaid to get even place in the lottery. And then uh, the, all the issues that came with, you know, websites that were going down under the load because so many mm, people were trying. Yeah. And, and so do you feel like they reached like a critical mass and, and right now it's kind of working against them because a lot of people who are like showing up for years, they kind of like, all right, you know, we were doing that for 
you know, 10 or whatever years. And now we have to kind of go into the lottery and it's not guaranteed that you Actually, can do it. Actually, I think they have reached their critical mass and probably two years ago, two, three years mm, ago. Uh, I think it was upwards of 11, 12,000 at that stage. So they're definitely victims of their own success, but I don't think they would complain about that. No. Um, so they were the premier event on the Irish cycling leisure calendar for years. That's no doubt. Um, but since cycling has kind of taken off, uh, I don't know what would you say in the last eight, nine years in the country, mm-hmm. it seems that there's an event every single weekend now. So when people are up in Wicklow and Dublin or, or up the rest of the country and they're trying to prioritize this event down in Kerry, which they might have difficulty getting accommodation for mm-hmm. because it's so popular. And when there's so many events on uh, in other parts of the country there's a tour of Connemara Clare Waterford every single where yeah. even in our own local towns and villages it seems every school has a fundraising event now Correct. and I know it's um, it's nice to see so they probably have reached a critical mass I don't think it's going to be a downward slope for mm-hmm. them I think they're probably just going to find their level yeah Um. so I think this year if it's 10,000 I think they'll still be able to maintain that uh, for the next, uh, yeah, for the foreseeable yeah, future. For sure. So, so your your point is that other other events are kind of feeding off it because because that kind of drew the attention to like, oh, we can we can do that event, and I know that the other one is uh, Ring of Bera, yes, which is another peninsula uh, in Kerry, south south from 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 the Ring of Kerry. Correct. Um, what's the name again of the peninsula? It's the Beira Peninsula. No, no, but the the Ring of Kerry. One. The Evra. The Evra, yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's south of Evra, and a lot of people, I think, last year said like, okay, we we can't get spot in the Ring of Kerry. We're gonna go do Ring of Beira, Actually, and then the Ring of Beira was was you know sold out as well. It was hard to get. I've uh, well. I've heard of people refer to the Ring of Beira as the new Ring of Kerry. So. Oh, right. um, actually, I did that last year and uh, the day was absolutely immaculate. So mm-hmm. I've signed up for it again this year. I've signed up for both, actually. So it'll be interesting to see if, you know, when it's such a nice day, people have rose tinted goggles about the event and everything. Mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. you know, I've done Ring of Kerry's down through the years where it's rained from start to finish. Yeah. And uh, I suppose that's the real test of, of an event. Can you get people coming back if, if, it, uh, yeah, if they have memories it. like that? Mm-hmm. But... Sure. Um, yeah, there's, there's that a Ring of Beira is definitely a fantastic alternative or, you know, I, I necessarily wouldn't even think of it as an alternative. It, it might be something else you'd consider as well in doing both for people yeah. who would have the uh, fitness and uh, want the challenge of doing both. The Ring of Beira is shorter, um, but it, there's much more climbing. Yeah. And even when you're not on uh, climbs, categorized climbs. There's a lot of road that you'd consider dead, so your legs just kind of feel heavy, even when mm. it can look flat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, you feel like actually, because the Ring of Kerry is quite achievable. Yeah. There's two climbs there. Um, you can save. I suppose there. This is this is like a mental mental obstacle. The distance, like oh my god, it's hundred seventy kilometers. Yeah. But the truth is that if you're out cycling for like a couple of months, or like, mm. I mean, like not not eighteen, mm. but like you know four or five months before, yeah. with all the stops and all the social aspect, you know, if you dedicate a whole day for that, you can do that easily. Easily, and you know, people do it in five hours, and people do it in ten, eleven, yeah. twelve. So y- yeah. you just pace yourself, and you get around, uh, and you know, you can do that with the ring of bear as well, but. Uh, I personally, myself, I find that I've kind of done a significant m- more of a challenge when I come home from the Ring of Beira. Yeah. That's actually an event that was on in the late 90s, early 2000s that I went to a couple of years in a row. I think it was organized by Kinmare Cycling Club at the time. Mm-hmm. And that event stopped for whatever reason, I forget. And I didn't go back and do the Ring of Beira from 2001, I think, up until 2000 and. 14 right right. so uh i don't know what i was doing by avoiding it because it's yeah uh the scenery down there is amazing it's an hour and a half away from truly i guess or even a good hour maybe yeah. by car so yeah it's definitely on my calendar uh this year and there is another uh, uh event so we we spoke about two peninsulas and there's another peninsula dingle peninsula we also have a dingle challenge mm-hmm it's it's not that big of an event. It's much smaller event, but I think it it goes through uh, Connor Pass, which is which is highest road pass in Ireland. Correct. So it's quite challenging climb. Mm-hmm. Um, so so that's that, and there is also Ring of Nor- North Kerry. Correct. The cycle. 
Yeah. So um, have, have you any experience in any of those? Uh, well, I do. I've, I've done uh, the Connor Pass quite a good few times. It would be uh, quite a regular loop for the local club here. I'd be quite familiar with it. And that's a hard day out on the bike. Yeah. Um, so I don't know, is it my own metabolism or skill set or whatever, but I've only so many matches to burn on mm-hmm. a cycle. So if I'm going out and if I'm cycling up the Connor Pass uh, after leaving Tralee, I find that a lot of my energy is gone for the day. I don't know. Some people mm-hmm. after uh, the descent and maybe a, a quick espresso or whatever, they're yeah. flying home again. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it can I, be quite taxing. I have to pace myself. And particularly when you're leaving Dingle, uh, heading out towards Lisbole, a lot of that is uh, is tough enough climb as well if you have heavy mm-hmm. legs. But yeah. the Dingle Peninsula is absolutely beautiful. Beyond Dingle, there is Slay Head. Yes. And even if you just drive to Dingle and cycle around the 50 kilometers of Slayhead, it's remarkable. Yes, yes. It's amazing. So, so D- Dingle is like a single point because you have a, you have a mountains on, on the north, I think. Mm-hmm. So when you want to do the whole, whole Dingle Peninsula, you, you kind of need to do kind of like a figure of eight mm-hmm. and, and cross Dingle twice because it's mm-hmm. the only place you can go when you try to loop the, the peninsula and then loop around the sly head which is like a tip of the peninsula but for for 50 kilometer cycle in all of ireland i don't think there's any better value for money than slate i haven't found it yet for a 50k spin that's true that's Mm. true so this is this is nice nice segue now because we we spoke about quite a few routes on Mm. uh uh, cycling routes on uh, in kerry ring of bera uh, and uh, uh, ring of Kerry and dingle peninsula and so on and it just happens like we mentioned at the beginning that yes. you have a book about the, yes. uh, the cycling routes in, in Kerry. so tell us a little bit about the idea about the book and and uh, what what uh, our listeners can expect when they're gonna purchase the book actually the idea of the book is something that's been inside in my head for a long time um it I guess when I go cycling, when I've gone cycling down through the years, I've always had a little bit of adventure and exploration in mind. You know, when you go out with a cycling club, oftentimes they pick four or five routes and it seems to be those four or five routes for mm-hmm. the year. So I can, um, anytime I go cycling, I purposefully try and plan out a route that's a little bit different if I can. Mm-hmm. Uh, I personally love the the mountains and uh, any opportunity for a climb. Yeah. And I think any uh, any cycle without a good climb in it is uh, it's hard to come home from. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, it's cheating. It's like cheating, right? Correct. Um, so actually, we started a website. I think back in two thousand and nine. Well, I started it myself, um, called kerrycycling.com. and I just started putting up a few routes there, places I like going, um, with kind of minimum detail and uh, just a map and some <laughs> elevation profile things like that. Yep. It was more a hobby at the time. I wasn't really thinking about it too much. And uh, I think there about two years ago, a good buddy of mine in the chain gang, David Elton, came on board uh, to help me with that website. And the two of us are operating it now. We actually got approached by a publisher then in, uh, I think it was September of 2015. Mm -hmm. And they're Collins Press in Mm -hmm. Cork. Mm -hmm. And they have a fantastic series of walking guides, which are very popular Mm -hmm. uh, for people interested in hiking and walking. And they were looking to develop a series of cycling guides. Yeah. And they were looking for authors to do uh, a book in Kerry. So it didn't take much convincing on our part, really. We were very happy to do it. And we thought we had the knowledge and experience to share it with the public and thought it would be a good project. So the book is out since the 20th of March. It has uh, 31 routes in it, each route illustrated with maps, gradients, statistics, photos, and it's and also a guide uh, in terms of directions and things like that. But each route is kind of told in a story format as well. So it's not just fact based. Yes. You know, so in other words, it's like, it's like a proper book rather mm. than rather than like, OK, here's here's the here's the route. It's yeah. it's, it's not a collection of Strava segments. No. And uh, which it's it's not exactly each route isn't a sales pitch, but, it, you know, it's why would you want to do this route? And we want to try and convince people that they should think about doing this route. So all in all, the book covers uh, 2,500 kilometers of road in Kerry, which is quite a lot. And, you know, we had that cycled uh, a lot between myself and Dave down through the years. But we actually said when we were starting the book, let's do them all again. Let's Mm -hmm. start from scratch. Let's plan out these 31 routes and let's cycle them Mm -hmm. and let's cycle them with fresh eyes and let's cycle them as if uh, we're cycling them for the first time. And what's nice about them 
Where's mm-hmm. a nice place to stop? Where's a nice place to take photos? Things like that. Um, awesome. So we have a good geographical spread in the county and we've tried to take in the most, from what we consider the most famous areas. But um, there's also a few hidden gems in there. So there's areas that I would have discovered myself that no one would have necessarily told me about. I know you'd be familiar with the climb at Bohernacluck, mm-hmm. Tommy and Onuskal Lake and places like that, which necessarily wouldn't be on a, a typical cycling agenda, I guess. Yeah. But they're places that I found very special. So there's a mix of um, the most popular routes and maybe uh, hidden gems, like I said. And we also take in some of the most famous climbs in the county, climbs like the Connor Pass, Balaka Bima, Balaka Sheen, Malls Gap and Kumanaspig. And uh, the last three routes in the book as well, we covered the three days of the Wild Atlantic Way, starting in Tarbert and ending in Ardgroom. Oh, wow. So for 28 of the routes there, you start and finish in the same place. But the last three routes are obviously point to point to cover the entire length of the Wild Atlantic Way. I think it's over 400 kilometers of awesome. Wild Atlantic Way in Kerry. Yeah. And and for our listeners, I'm, I'm just looking at the book. There is a, a ton of absolutely fabulous photos. There are maps, elementary profiles, like you mentioned. So you have everything you would like to know about the route from the kind of cycling geeky point of view. Correct. What's the grade? What's the distance? What's the time? And, you know, all that thing. Uh, but there's also a, a, a lot of, um, um, uh, like you said, story and text and, and descriptions of what's, what's happening. And you can know what to expect. Um, so if you're, a, if you're a fan of cycling and you want to go and, and see some beautiful sceneries, uh, and you're just, just wondering, uh, where to go, that, that book is a must because, uh, you know, and I know that there's a lot of websites, you know, like Strava is the biggest one or in the model and so on, but I'm telling you, you will not find anything like that in that book in, in on Strava, like you will find in that book because you have so much more to the story and to the, to the route and, and to, to, you know, it's, 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 it's just fantastic. I have, I have that book for the first time in my hands and I'm really blown away. Uh, I'm glad you like it. I, I, I like, you know, it, I, I can tell you right now that this, this book will be, you will, will look pretty used after this season. I hope so. It, 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 it makes me want to jump on my bike right well, now. You know, I think um, it covers every, a lot of distance as well. I think the shortest spin we have is 38 kilometer cycle, actually around yeah. close to where we are now, around Tralee and Phoenix and uh, Banna Beach. And the longest we have is the aforementioned Ring of Kerry, which is, um, 170 kilometers so everything in between to suit all abilities yes um so yeah. we're, we're pretty proud of it now i have to say uh, uh you you guys uh have something to be really proud of um like i said uh readers will find it like a quick guide how to use the book and some safety tips um and 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 everything in between that that you that you need about that so that's that's a really great piece of work and also a lot of that uh, you you mentioned is there your website carrycycling.com correct yes so um, obviously we're encouraging everybody just to go to the website and, and look at the website and, and, and see you know what, what guys you have there I remember I found that website some time ago it's like oh this is this is Donica's website yeah no so it was more of a pet project at the start um, like I said I like exploring going different places so uh, I just set it up not necessarily on a whim, but I just said where mm-hmm. it would go. I think it's fair to say that uh, the website has been neglected for the past 12 months as we've been putting everything into the book. So yeah, you've been busy. We've been very busy, but um, we'll be working on it continuously over the foreseeable future to include even more routes, um, mm-hmm. news from the Kerry Cycling scene, events. That's um, awesome. Yeah. You have a you have an event going on in a in a bookshop uh, next week. Correct. Uh, so the book is available at the moment for sale, but we're having our official launch on Friday the seventh of April at six p.m. in O'Mahony's bookshop in Castle Street, Tralee. So everybody's welcome. 
Mm-hmm. And I hope to see everyone there. Absolutely, guys. Um, get your stuff in there and, and go and see it. Listen, what's your favorite uh, route in that group? <laughs> Actually, I um, I predicted that question. Oh, yeah, that's, I've been that's thinking pretty predictable question, right? The first, the, we starting <laughs> with how it all started and then finally... You know, but you know, the, uh, not to be smart, but I was thinking to myself, you know, it's like asking me which of my fingers is my favorite, you know, as if I had to, had to lose one. Um, if yeah. someone asked me that, um, it depends on mood, but, um, I have to say there's something extremely special about the gap of Dunlow, mm-hmm. um, and Black Valley. Yeah. Um, so it's, it feels like it's very remote, even though technically it's not, you're never more than 20 kilometers away from mm-hmm. air quotes civilization. Um, but you're in a place with very little traffic, okay. incredible scenery. Uh, excellent places to have coffee stops um, and a beautiful descent at the finish back into Killarney overlooking the lakes. Hey, it's incredible. There's nothing like a good descent. Have you done the, the Gap of Dunlow? Yes, I did. Yeah, yes, I did. it's incredible. Yes. Um, but I like all of them in different ways, I have to say. But if I did have to pick and if you said, come on, let's go for a spin tomorrow, where mm-hmm. are we going? Mm-hmm. Gap of Dunlow. And actually, if I had any visitor... Um, from abroad or anything like that, um, which I've done before, and they said, "Take me for a spin. Where are we going to go?" It's mm-hmm. always been the capital, no. Right, right. So, so it's very the, special. So here's the with which one go first, and yes, right. What's next for you? Uh, well, the cycling season is starting, so um, getting on the bike is uh, is probably what's next. Like I said before, I want to put a bit of effort into our website as well, just to think it just needs a little bit of work um, and just to promote cycling in the county as much as I can because I think it's a beautiful place for cycling uh, people give out about road quality roads and stuff a lot but you know actually I, it's just part of a challenge it's part of it and I don't mind it at all and you know it's interesting I'm, I'm cycling with people sometimes that have very expensive bikes mm-hmm. and they're nearly so expensive that they're afraid to take them out they don't want them to get dirty if it's raining <laughs> and they don't want to ride over a bit of rough terrain so you know you have to treat yourself to a good bike i would say and why not but make sure it's at a standard where you're happy that's absolutely that's taking ab- it out over the roads and you know if a road is a bit rough relax your arms a little bit on the handlebars and sit back and just take it for, for what it's worth there's a that's absolutely the the, the the huge point um and and i have a, like a two two separate observations on that that um first of all when when you when when i was choosing the bike you know i i was trying to get a good bike and then uh my friends were like you know don't get that you know you you you, you don't want to get it you know dirty and wet and so on and my thinking always was like yeah i want to get a good bike so it mm. can endure and withstand mm. and work in a bad conditions yes that's why you want a better bike yes you know so it can actually do their job so that was one thing and and secondly i know uh, in, in the cycling club one of one of the one of the guys bought the bike uh road bike with the disc brakes and mm. i saw it like oh it's awesome because obviously disc brakes uh are giving you much more modulation and they work much better in the wet and you know mm-hmm. overall in in especially in the winter time and then when it's raining they're much better performing brake than the rim brakes and i was so surprised when when he was cycling on that bike in the summer in the good weather and then when the winter rolled in and you he would really take the benefit of that, he took like his old bike. It's like, no, 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 you know, it's like, a, you know, this, it's harder on this one. I'm training and so on. Like, it's like, yeah, I would like to do the opposite. But, you know, these hobbies as well, and it's a good point to make. You see, if you join a cycling club, you'll, you'll notice the amount of expense people have gone to. And it's probably similar for golf and, and things like that. To start cycling, you just need a bike and a helmet, uh, a bike in good condition a helmet that's less than five years old actually i learned that recently that mm-hmm. there's a date stamp on the inside of a helmet yeah, yeah. and i think they have a five-year um yeah i have three yeah okay so i'm on the third year of my helmet okay um it probably depends on the, on the manufacturer so the to go out and enjoy a good cycle that's all you need a bike mm-hmm. and helmet well and that's a, i suppose that's that's a that's a point that that stands for 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 anything in life that you know you can you can spend even even uh, before we started that podcast. You know, we, we were talking about equipment for recording. It's mm-hmm. like, yeah, you can you can spend any amount of money, 
on the mics and everything mm. to, to start. And this is, I suppose, like you said, the same for cycling. But, you know, golfing, we, right? we probably all know people as well who have decided to take up something new for whatever reason, yeah. bought the most expensive they could afford. Yeah. And three weeks later said, actually, I don't know, do I like cycling or whatever true. that much? So start small, build yeah. your way up. Um, I started when I was young with uh, a mountain bike and uh, I was even going to races uh, on a mountain bike on on road competing against guys that were on races in under 14 so that'll tell you I definitely started small Um, but I think it's the only way to do it and it's people make a fuss about the equipment and uh, some cyclists have gotten a reputation for being kind of equipment snobs or you must have this you must it's have so that. common i think yeah. it, i think it's very common even if if you're if you even if you take like an angling or, or hunting community mm. or, or you know especially an angling community is like you know the, the amount of time people are spending and debating about you know rods and reels and mm. you know all that and it's like literally thousands and thousands of euro goes into the equipment mm. And at the end of the day, that doesn't catch a fish, right? You need to catch a fish and be in the right place in the right spot and use the right lure and the right technique. Yeah. And I suppose this is the same thing, right? That that no matter how expensive and, and, and great your bike is, mm. it won't put the watts on itself when you're cycling up the corner pass. That's very true. They say, is it, uh, is it the man or woman or is it the bike? So Yeah, this is it. This yeah. is it. All right. Um, Danica, thank you very much for for being on the podcast. It's my privilege. Um, tell tell our uh, maybe for for tell our listeners where where they can catch you and where they can uh, leave the comments and and ask the questions if they need. So I'm on Twitter at the Kerry Cyclist, and you can also catch me on kerrycycling.com. Okay, and if you have any other comments, uh, leave them on uh, comment section of the podcast, whatever you're listening to that podcast, whether it's at iTunes or Stitcher or SoundCloud or whatever else. Uh, thanks very much, Donaka, and I see you all next time.